Welcome to the Rockcast channel. I am so blessed and excited that you're here with me. I am Pastor Shane, and I truly pray that the episode that you're about to listen to will encourage you in your faith so that you can feel empowered and feel stronger in your faith, closer to God, because ultimately that is up to us on how close we are to the Lord. God bless. So here we go. We're going to start this week a series that I'm, I'm looking forward to. It's called Harder to Kill. And uh, we're going to take some time, one week at a time, and dig into what God wants us to learn from this. And I'll kind of quickly, I'll just start with the inspiration of it. You know, Lenny was exercising the other day. We have this, um, it's really like a, a fancy TV with a, a camera. And uh, that way this artificial intelligence can kind of recognize her body and, and tell her like if she's not doing an exercise right or whatever. And, uh, and there's a personal trainer on the screen that's kind of giving you instructions. And so Eleni was exercising the other day, doing the workout. And at the end of it, the instructor ended with a, with a word of encouragement. It was said, you know, it was, it was a women's class. So she said, ladies, you did awesome today. She said, remember this. Now you are stronger. You've got more stamina. And she ended with this. You are now harder to kill. And I thought, okay. I never thought of that working out, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm harder to kill. You know, I don't know. It just kind of resonated with me. But if you have your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. And once you're there, if you could, just stand with me. We're going to start with verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Here we go. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand firm. Amen? Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, you're awesome. Lord, we've been singing about it. We're going to verbalize it right now. We say you're awesome, you're mighty. I thank you, God, that you can hear our prayers as we cry out to you. And I pray your Holy Spirit would move, Lord, that we would we would be sharper in our faith, Lord. And as your scripture even tells us, we would put on the whole armor of God, ultimately, God, so we are harder to kill. We are a force to be reckoned with. God, through your might, your power, we pray, I pray that we walk forth in strength, in authority, in blessing, God, that we can overcome the mess that is constantly trying to bring us down as Christians. God, we thank you. We praise you. Open our hearts and minds to receive the word, God, that only the Holy Spirit would pierce through. God, I just rebuke anything of myself or the flesh. Pray the Holy Spirit pierces through and overshadows everything and anything else. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we're going to get into this series of essentially, you know, you think about like when you were a kid, you had this armor of God. And I remember as a kid, we would make with aluminum foil, I made my little sword and my shield and uh, would run around with that. But as adults, I, it can be just as fun. Uh, no, we're not going to have a little arts and crafts time. Um, but we are going to dig into what the scripture says. And it really, we're going to get into the armor of God over the next few weeks. 
And we're going to start here, as you can see it there. We're going to start with one aspect, and we're going to see what God has. Because I don't think you'd like me to go on for a couple hours at a time. So uh, I'm learning. The Holy Spirit's giving me some wisdom. We're going to split it up a little bit. Amen? All right. So what do you, what do you hear or think of when you hear the, the term spiritual warfare? What comes to your mind? A direct assault by demons, an irresistible temptation to sin, an unexplained and inescapable feeling of depression, depression and anxiety, a gnawing sense of failure or shame. Maybe it's spiritual fatigue that just leaves you powerless. Maybe it's a loss of joy. Attacks against your family, your possessions, your health, maybe that's what it means to you. All of these things are a part of spiritual warfare, but here's the thing that we have to acknowledge. Whether you are thinking of it now or not, you are engaged in spiritual warfare. The question is just whether or not you're actually harder to kill and you're actually engaged in the warfare. There's three fronts that we are all facing in this battle. The first is a desire to sin. Galatians 5 says it this way, verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things what you want to do. We are all in this, this battle of a fleshly desire that we were born into. Thank God that Jesus came and died so we have, an, have payment for our sin. But we have to acknowledge that there are going to be natural desires that we have to crucify, right? The Bible talks about we have to crucify the flesh daily. But see, here's the thing. If you don't think that you ever, that you ever could have an intention to do anything wrong or that God says not to do, then you're not going to be on guard. You're not going to actually be on the offensive against this, right? You, do you understand what I'm saying here? If you don't think that you have a desire to sin, then you're not going to do anything about that. It's as simple as that. The second front is this. It's the love of the world. First John says it this way. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. In verse 17, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen? But you have to understand Okay, there's another front that we are all fighting in this life, and that is a front of loving the world. I like nice things. I want my family to have nice things, so I work hard. Right, the phrase, you work hard, play hard. I understand that. And so I have to be on guard as the head of my household is, yes, God says I can live in abundance and I can live in blessing and I can be a good steward of what I have so that I can continue to live in blessing. But ultimately, I have to know, God, you are my ultimate supplier. You provide for everything that I need. I'm just borrowing these things. Really, they're all yours. And I can't get too attached and love it too much that I lose sight of God. Amen? 
I love to go out on the lake and enjoy time with family, but I can never forget who has blessed me with these things. Amen? So there we go. If you're not aware that this is actually a battle for you, because it's it's, this, this applies to all of us, if you're not aware that it's a battle, you're not really doing anything about it. You're not going to be on the offensive. And the third thing is simply the devil. Uh, James chapter 4 says it this way, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Amen. That's why I heard, a, uh, I believe it was um, Bishop Mark Swank who said it this way. He said, you know you are as close to God as you want to be. And it hit me when he said that. And I, this was probably a few years ago. Like, You know, we kind of are... Ex- expecting like God to to like just do it but I was like oh okay I'm as close to God as I want to be because guess who gets to determine that me because it's my obedience I say okay God I will do what you say I'm going to draw near to you and James says he will draw near to us but again if you're not aware if you're not mindful if these aren't things on your mind then you're probably not doing anything about it that's, that's where I've been. That, that's sort of what the revelation for me. I have to start here. Before I can even get to the armor of God, we have to start here and say, yes, there is a battle to fight, and I want to be a force to be reckoned with. I think about it like, like at night. Um, I'm better now, but when I first got married, for whatever reason, I would have these night terrors, and I don't even have a good excuse. I mean, I, I'm not ex-military. I don't have any sort of PTSD, but I just would have night terrors. And so if I'd hear noises, I would just go nuts because, you know, you have a fight or flight. That's the way God designed us. Some of us retreat, and some of us kind of that adrenaline kicks in, and you turn into a monster. And that's, I'm kind of that that second one. Like, I might die, but I'm going to go down fighting. That's just kind of that adrenaline just kind of spikes, and my heart rate goes through the roof, and I'm, you know, I'm small, but I'm scrappy, and I'm going to make it hurt as much as I can before I go down. And so I think about that, right? And that's what we want. We want, okay, as Christians, I want to be harder to kill. I want to put on the armor of God. But I won't get to any of that if I don't know that there's a battle. If I don't acknowledge that, yes, I am engaged in spiritual warfare. Amen? So what's nice is Paul gives us a strategy. Here we go. We were in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul gives us a strategy for fighting and winning spiritual battles in our text that we just read. He begins it this way. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his power. In his power, and later it says, stand against the devil's schemes. So first, we have to acknowledge and recognize that my strength comes from God. It is not from me. It is not just, if I abstain from sin, that in and of itself does not give me a power, per se. Ultimately, my power is from God. I'm obedient to God by not sinning, by doing what he says I'm supposed to do, being the church, but ultimately, power comes from God. We cannot get this self-righteousness where we think that we, we're bad to the bone because of what we've done. Amen? I mean, the longer you're in the church, I think this is the, a bigger trap for us than some other things. Because we'll think that because we've earned it, I've, I've become more spiritual over the years. I, I, you know, we start to rely on ourselves. Are you with me? 
But no, we have to acknowledge, God, you are my strength. On my best day, I'm nothing without God. Amen? My power comes from him in my relationship with him. I can't ever get too big in my britches that I don't need Jesus. Amen? So then, Paul, in our text here, Paul then focuses on the armor that we need to wear in battle so we can withstand the evil day, as he says, and having done all to stand. And that's where we're starting today, is just how do we become harder to kill? That is, that is my thing. Like I told you, when, when I would have night terrors, there was one time Zach was staying at the house. We first got married. Zach was staying at the house. I forgot he had spent the night. He was in, we had a finished attic, and uh, so he was upstairs, and our, my, uh, Lenny and I's bedroom was downstairs, and Zach must have, like, I don't know if he fell off the bed or what, but I heard a big thump, and I forgot he was in the house. So, man, that adrenaline just kicked up in me. I, you know, kicked through the door of my bedroom screaming, just ready. I mean, if I'm going to die, let's do it, you know. And, and Zach came, what? <laughs> he said, man, I thought you were going to kill somebody. I thought somebody was in the living room. And Zach's upstairs, you know. He's hearing me just storm through the house screaming. But why do I do that? Or, you know, why does that fight or flight kick up? It's because, you know what? I'm going to be harder to kill. You are not just coming into my house, just taking my stuff, taking my family. You're not going to kill me without a fight. And that is how we ought to be as Christians, is we should be no devil. Not today. I'm going to be harder to kill. I'm going to go on the offensive. My family means too much for, to me to just let you come in and take what you want, do what you want. Uh-uh, not today. I'm going to get scrappy. Right? I want to be harder to kill. And so we look at Paul here in Ephesians chapter 6. He tells us that we should put on the whole armor of God. What do you need armor for? The whole point of armor is to be harder to kill so you can do more damage on the battlefield and ultimately win. You with me? Right? That's why you wear the armor. It's going to be harder for people as they're trying to attack you. Their, their attacks aren't getting through. They're not piercing my flesh. They're not, they're not slowing me down. I'm protected so that I can do more damage. I can ultimately win the battle. It makes us harder to kill and ultimately so we can stand our ground. And that's where we're focusing today. Before we even get to the armor, we need to call each other. We have a call, a charge to stand firm in our faith. The goal of every spiritual battle we face is to stand. And what's interesting, to stand doesn't just mean to take their, just to take all the hits. Yes, there's a, we're on defense, but we need to also be on the offensive. We need to attack the enemy the phrase the day of evil right that's mentioned in the in the text that we read it means when things are at their worst when the battle is over we should not have rendered one inch to the enemy that's what it means to stand he said no not today devil i'm not giving up an inch i'm not compromising i'm not taking a step back because God is the one who gives me power, and I'm going to press on. Amen? So in what ways do we stand then? Well, this is where we're going to we'll go in the next few minutes. We need to stand for something, 
Naturally, if you stand for something, that means you're going to stand against something. At times, you might have to stand alone, or at least that's how you will feel. We need to stand together, and we need to stand up. The first, we need to stand for something. The phrase goes like this. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's interesting, the Greek word for, for witness, and I, I, don't get, I don't try to geek out too much with the Greek, but I do find it interesting. The Greek word for witness is martis, which means martyr. Consider Peter and John preaching in Acts chapter 5. They were arrested and told not to preach again. And what was their reply? They say, we must obey God rather than men, in verse 29. Then they said, we are witnesses of these things. There's an illustration here I'll share. Um, the, there's this Holocaust statement. I've heard this in many different speeches and sermons and you've probably heard it too. You'll recognize it. But the, the statement goes like this, and it appears at the Holocaust Center in Jerusalem, and it's attributed to a German Protestant pastor. And it says this, First, they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. You see, as Christians, we must stand for something. You should have a burning conviction and make it clear in your mind what you are for. You need to be able to say definitively, this is what I am for. See, because the problem is this. If you can't, if you don't have clear clarity of mind, if you don't know, yes, this is what I'm for, then the enemy gets a field day when he comes against you and he gets to have all kinds of fun making you compromise because you're fighting with yourself of, well, am I, am I for that or not? Right? And Satan will kind of will, will say these things in your ear and you'll kind of be like, well, maybe that, maybe that is okay. But if you know, if you have a definiteness in your mind of what I'm for, that's, let, that's one way you become harder to kill and one way that you become harder for Satan to bring you down and to make you compromise. Amen? All right, so the next one, stand uh, against. Naturally, if you're going to stand for something, you're going to have to stand against something. The church exists to be a restraining force of evil. We are called to be, and you, you know this, the salt of the earth, right? We're to be a convicting and preserving force in the world for Jesus. We are to be the light of the world. We are to dispel darkness and bring the warmth of God's love to the world. Romans chapter 12 says it this way, Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. But here's the problem. If you haven't made your mind up of what you're against then how can you, if you haven't decided that this is evil, how can you stand and hate what's evil and cling to what's good when you're too busy fighting these battles in your mind of, wait a minute, is that, am I against that or not? Are you getting where I'm going here? See, the problem is this. I understand. There are certain gray areas, we like to call them, in the Bible, right, where we kind of like, well, is that really wrong? Is it not? Here, 
I understand that there are, there are parts of the Bible like that, but if there's too much gray area in your life, the Satan is going to have a field day in getting you to compromise because you can't decide what, okay, yes, this is right or this is wrong. Wait, you're going to start to kind of wishy-washy, right? Fickle is what they call it. Well, you, you're going to go back and forth, right? It's like I remember in the days teaching high school, if you wavered one inch and just a little in your decision, you say, no, we're doing this, class. If you show any weakness, it's over because they're going to rebel and not listen. But if you're like, nope. This is what we're doing, period, end of story. Come, tell me, come, come talk to me when you're done. It's different, right? It's like that with the enemy. If, if we're, here, we're here sitting here kind of battling with ourselves because we've kind of blown up this gray area. We, it, yeah, there's like a couple little things, and now we've just turned it into, well, is this right? Is this wrong? It's gotten to the point, like, as we're about to travel to Texas for General Assembly, we, as a denomination now, have to make these declarations of what we are for and what we are against because so many people within our own ranks across the country are starting to get confused about what we're for and what we're against. And now we have to make it plain and say, we have declarations that we're going to be um, approving at General Assembly all kinds of different things, right? We need to affirm that we believe in life and we celebrate life. We need to affirm that we are we believe in, in marriage the way God intended it to be. It's not that we hate people. No, we hate evil. We cling to what's good. But I didn't get to decide what's good. God did. And so we're going to affirm that, okay, we believe God the way God intended it to be is the way it should be. But see, you see the battles that we have in our mind where it's like, okay, if I don't know what I'm for and I know what I'm against, then how can I put up a fight when Satan comes to challenge these things? You, you'll cave. You, you won't be harder to kill. You'll be easier to take down because you are still fighting yourself over these things. So let's continue. What's another way to stand? We, at times, we will stand alone. At least, again, you might feel that way. There might come a time where you have to stand for Christ by yourself. Nobody will be there with you. You might be the only Christian witness. You might be standing along. It could be your family, and you might be the only witness in, in, in your family. It could be at work or at school or family. Like I said, but you are never really alone. We know this because God's with us, right? But you need to take those instances it's very, very seriously. Jo Joseph, we could just look at stories in the Bible. Joseph was alone in Egypt, yet he could say in Genesis chapter 50, he says, God intended it for good. And Daniel, right at the beginning, chapter 1, you know, he was alone in Babylon, yet he resolved not to defile himself. Jesus was before Pilate by himself, alone, but he says, for the joy set before him endured the cross in Hebrews chapter 12. Paul was alone at his trial, but he said in 2 Timothy, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. You see, you're easier to kill if you're alone. But the truth is you're not. But if you buy into that lie that, yes, I'm by myself, nobody cares, nobody's in this fight with me, and then you start to give up ground. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
if you believe the lie, see, that's what Satan wants to do, right? When you become depressed or you begin to have anxiety, Satan starts to whisper in your ear. Christians don't have problems with that. If you were more of a Christian, you wouldn't struggle with this. So what does that cause us to do? I don't want to go talk to my Christian brothers and sisters now. I feel like, well, if I was a more mature, stronger Christian, I wouldn't have this issue. And so now I'm isolating myself, and I feel alone. And I don't want to talk to anybody because now I feel like I'm by myself in this struggle. Nobody can relate to me, or, or even if, if maybe they could, they're going to look down on me. Do you see where, where the enemy's trying to pierce us, to kill us? But we're harder to kill when we acknowledge that, okay, I'm not alone. I can look throughout Scripture where God says he's with me. I can look at James where he says, if I draw near to him, he'll draw near to me. I don't have to be alone. Amen? All right, another way we can stand is to stand together. We need others to support us when we are in a spiritual battle. We can't do it alone. Here's the problem. Some of us want to be independent, though. This is my struggle. All right, out of all these things, this is probably my number one. I'll be transparent here. My number one struggle is I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be independent. I don't want to ask for help. Can anybody relate to that? I'll tell you a very quick story. So I bought this trailer because Eleni spends three weeks for youth camp in Kenley. And there's a big campground. I don't even know how many acres. It's way too much to walk back and forth everywhere. I mean, even as it is, she's still got miles of walking that she probably did. And so we take our golf cart. Well, I, I needed a trailer to get the golf cart there, and I'm cheap. You know, a lot of you already know that. I'm cheap. I thought, man, the seven $800 trailers, just, that's just too much. That's ridiculous. I don't want to pay seven $800 for this trailer to take the golf cart up there. And so I found a used trailer for, it was like 200 bucks. It was a great deal. It was awesome until I'm on my way to Kenley and the tire blew out. I had all kinds of issues. But see, the thing is, I wasn't even that far. I was probably four oaks. The tire blew out, right? I could have called plenty of people, but I'm like, no, I can fix this myself. I was able to get a $20 can of Fix-A-Flat. That got me just far enough so that there was a Walmart before it blew out again. And so then I go inside, and I'm like, okay, well, I realized that the jack that I had, was, it, it wasn't tall enough for the trailer. So I'm like, all right, go to Walmart, I buy a jack. Okay, come back out. And then I realized, well, um, the, the little four-spoke or whatever that I had for the truck, the size of the lugs were different. I'm like, great. So I go back to Walmart. I buy a ratchet set. Again, I could have just called my brother who's got tools. I could have called some of you, and you would have probably come and helped me. But I'm like, no, I got myself in this mess. I'm going to get myself out. So I go buy a stinking ratchet set. And then I go back, and then I realize, okay, these are like rusted on. I, I can't break this loose. I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I need a breaker bar. Go back to Walmart, get a breaker bar. You see where I'm going with this? Finally, eventually, I got, I got it going, and I made it to Kenley by myself, but I should have probably just bought the $700 trailer. By the time I bought all this stuff so that I could be independent and do it myself and make it there without anybody's help. You know, taught Levi how to change the tire because we're just, you know, we're he-man. We're going to figure this out ourselves. Right? I say that because this is one of my weaknesses. 
We are supposed to be a community where we bear one another's burdens, Scripture says. Well, we're here for each other. There's a reason. My favorite Scripture, Proverbs, says that iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another, meaning you need each other. We need it. Just like when the men got together this past week, we need that. We need fellowship. Just like this morning, we need fellowship. We need each other. Amen? But see, Satan wants you to think, like, like before, that you, you just need to figure it out yourself. I like Victor Hugo says it this way. A house is built of logs and stone, of tiles and posts and piers. A home is built of loving deeds that stand a thousand years. See, faith in each other binds the family together. That's why I call us a family. The church is a community, a family, a living organism. And in Ephesians, believers are even called, we've repeated this many times, we are called the body of Christ, the holy temple, the bride of Christ. And Paul stresses the fact that we should make every effort, this is Paul, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But see, here's what Satan's strategy is. It's to divide and conquer, to separate you out, to keep you from fellowshipping with one another, to keep you from, from having real conversations with one another. How's your week going? No, really, how's your week going? What can I pray for you this week? That's, so when I refer to us as a family, that's where I see it. That's the intent behind it. We're supposed to have faith in one another that we can make each other better. Amen? And that's what it means to stand together. If we stand together, we're harder to kill. Satan wants to separate you so that you're an easier target, you're easier to take out. And we'll end, end with this. The last the way that we stand is we just we stand up. Ezekiel, he was exiled to Babylon. He was a Levitical priest and, and as well as a prophet to the Jews, and he brought a message of hope. He says, it in he says it this way in chapter 2. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. And as he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And that's what Jesus is calling for us today. Stand up. Stand up for him. Proclaim the good news and salvation to your family, to the world. We have that opportunity, but let us not sit in silence. Let us not shut up. Let us stand up. And that's the challenge for us. As we get into this series, and we're going to look at what does it mean to put the armor of God on? How do I become harder to kill as a Christian and then go on the offense and say, not today, devil. Uh-uh. Depression, anxiety, you do not get to stay in my household. No, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Disease, sickness, you do not get to stay I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. How do I become harder to kill? Here's just our very first part. We stand. We stand for Christ. We stand against evil. We stand alone if necessary. We stand together in unity. We stand up in the power of the Holy Spirit and stand, having done all, stand. If we do these things, we are harder to kill. Amen? You can stand to your feet with me. We're going to pray. I hope that you can read through Ephesians chapter 6 this week. Take it to heart. Let's see, God, how do I do these things? How, how do I stand up in the way that you've called me to? 
God, that I'm going to be harder to kill. That is what you have to resolve in your mind today. I will be harder to kill because I'm going to make my mind up what I'm for and what I'm against according to Scripture. I'm going to make my mind up that if I must stand alone, I will do so for Christ. I will make my mind up that we will stand together. I will, I will let my pride down and link arm in arm with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll stand up for Jesus. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus. Thanks so much for listening today. I just wanted to put in a quick plug here. Please connect with us. So you can find us on Facebook at The ROC Ministry. Again, just connect with us so that we can stay in touch. And please like, subscribe, share with others if you feel blessed so that we can continue sharing these sermons. God bless.